I know of a place where you never get harmed. A magical place with magical charms. Indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away, Carrie. Ironically, that is also a good song to sing while you're washing your hands. So, oh my God. So really, <laughs> it ticks all the boxes. <laughs> oh my God. Welcome back to King and Streaming, where we are indoors. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are coming to you live from our social distancing event. You mean everyday life? Yeah, <laughs> no kidding, no. <laughs> we are in your basement. <laughs> we are taking those precautions because guess what? We're human beings, and I think when you're like, oh, I don't know, five, you should pretty much have it mastered how to wash your hands. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Thank you. We're changing it up a little bit this week. Instead of breaking down a full movie this week, we're going to be doing one of those listicle things. We're going to be ranking our top 10 favorite female film performances. I love listicles. Before we get started, guys, don't forget you can go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. And you can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. You can listen to us on Spotify now. Oh my god, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you say this literally every time. Where can, I do, I do. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting about the Spotify. Because you don't use it. Spotify's never going to give us a shout out. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I keep forgetting about them. <laughs> god bless you, Spotify. Oh I'm my on god. Apple Music myself. Go ahead. I can feel the hate through the microphone. <laughs> and if you haven't done so yet, guys, you know what I'm about to ask you, don't you? Mm -hmm. Please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or leave us a comment on our Facebook page. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you don't like. Use those pages to share the show with others. We're really trying to reach more people. So it would be great if in this uncertain time, when you're trying to fill the uncertain time, if you're checking out new podcasts or if your friends are checking out new podcasts, go ahead and drop a recommendation. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Other things we got on the agenda for today, we're going to be playing another trivia game. It's going to be fun. We're going to be playing like a little actress game that I just kind of made up. And then we're going to be listing our top favorite female performances. Top 10. Top 10. We each get 10, guys. Aren't you excited? I hope you've got a long commute. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were each going to do five, and then we were probably going to fight about who goes where. So we decided it would just be, <laughs> would be better if we just both came up with our own list. Absolutely. Um, my list is admittedly, they're emotional choices. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not necessarily associated with the craft. And we picked a lot of the same actresses, but we didn't necessarily rank them in the same order. We didn't pick a lot of the same actresses. We picked a few. We picked a couple. But we didn't necessarily rank them in the same order, and we didn't necessarily choose the same performance. So we're going to have a very interesting conversation today. Absolutely. Right, so this is going to be simple enough because we like to keep it simple around here. I've got 
written down on little slips of paper in this hat. This is not I'm a sorry, hat. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't take you seriously. This is not a hat. <laughs> no. This is a... I meant a cup. This is a... It's an Indiana Pacers 50th anniversary tumbler. Yeah, Where no. did we get these? Mom and dad. Oh. Dad doesn't even watch the Pacers that much. Why do you think I have them now? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to pick a name out of this hat. (laughs) Out of this tumbler. (laughs) Sorry. And it's going to have an actress on it, okay? And Mm -hmm. then you have 10 seconds to name as many of their movies as you can. All right, you got to stop watchy thingy. Got a tiny thingy. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? We are not Ellen. We are not on it. (laughs) No, hold on. Ellen always has a timer ready. Always. Why don't you go first? Okay. All right. I'm drawing. All right. So I read it off and then the timer starts? Yep. Okay. Sandra Bullock. The Blind Side. Um, the Blind Side. <laughs> no. Uh, the Blind Side. Um, Miss Congeniality. And um, um, Ocean Whatever. <laughs> Time's up. It doesn't really count, does it? <laughs> All right, your turn to pick. All right, I am I am choosing a piece of paper. Lindsay Lohan, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, Mean Girls, Herbie Fully Loaded, Georgia Rule. Um. Oh. Ah. Uh, Time. Damn. You got what? Four. Yeah. Now it's my turn again. Nicole Kidman, uh, The Hours, Moulin Rouge. Uh. Oh fuck. Um that's it. That's that, all you that, can that's think all of? she's in. Um uh damn it. <laughs> okay, I got two. So that's that that's five. <laughs> so far I've got points. Oh god. Is, can we do it that way? What? A movie is a point. A movie yeah, a movie is a point. Yeah. Okay. That, sorry, maybe I didn't make that clear. Every every movie you guess, you get a point, and then whoever has the most points at the end wins. Mm. Okay. Okay. My turn again? Yes. All right. How many of these are there? There's a lot of them in there, but okay. we certainly do not have to do them all. Let's do them all. Okay. Going on. Emma Thompson. Uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, much Ado About Nothing. Um, oh, shit. Uh, Elizabeth? No. The, the, no, that's not what that's called. Time. Shit. Yeah. Ah. Two. Two. I was not Harry on the ball. Harry Potter? No, no. You Harry could... Potter? Oh, my God. You could have named the one, two... Three, four films of Harry Potter that she's in. Well, luckily, I think she's the only Harry Potter cast member in that Tumblr, so. Okay. Julianne Moore. Boogie Nights. Uh, Prize Winner Defiance, Ohio. Um, oh, um, mm, Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle. Um, okay, three. All right. All right, your turn. Let's get it going. Julia Roberts. Go for it. Pretty Woman, Steel Magnolias, uh, um, Aaron Brockovich, Valentine's Day. Uh, oh, no. Um, Done. Shit. That's four. You're averaging four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my tone. Maybe, maybe four is just my batting average. Got your clock up? Yep. All right. Whoopi Goldberg, Color Purple, Ghost. Um, that's it. No, come on. You can think of another one. Uh, two, one. I'm done. You sent me a sister act TikTok before you came over I here. I sure did. Honey, it's in the moment. <laughs> Halle Berry. Uh, the Flintstones. Catwoman. Um, oh, no. I'm upset that those are the only two I can name. Time. Halle, I'm sorry. 
Cameron Diaz. Shrek. Shrek 2. Oh no. Shrek 3. Shrek 4. Shrek 5. I hate you. Bad Teacher. The Holiday. Um, I got seven. <laughs> it was a cheap move there, buddy. Your turn. Really cheap I'm winning, move. I'm winning. I'm winning, winning, winning. Kristen Stewart. Go. Adventureland, Twilight 1, Twilight 2, Twilight 3, Twilight 4. Um, uh. Time. <laughs> was that five? That was five. Also, I'm really, like, against counting that because... <laughs> because I said one, two, three, four. Yeah, because it's actually, um, it's actually Twilight, Twilight New Moon, <gasps> Twilight Eclipse, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, <laughs> and Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. I hate Twilight, but, like, I just <laughs> I want you believe, to know... I cannot believe you knew all the names of the movie. I mean, no, it's all anybody can fucking talk about in middle school. <laughs> All right, I am picking, uh, I am choosing. Isn't it my turn? It is. It is your turn. <laughs> isn't it my I'm turn? I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Glenn Close, 101 Dalmatians, Albert Knobs, uh, 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 Hook. I knew uh, you were going to um, do uh, that. Uh, 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 three. <laughs> All right, I got to get more points, and I'm going to earn them honestly this time. Sure, sure, sure. Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. The Age of Innocence, Hairspray, Grease 2, um, Mother. I think that's all I got. All right, that's four. <laughs> all right. Not bad, not bad. Not bad, not bad. My turn. <clears throat> Jamie Lee Curtis. Halloween 1. Oh, man. Halloween 2. Okay. Uh, Freaky Friday. Uh, Fish Called Wanda. Uh, that's it. Wow. Your, your turn. That was four. Okay. All right. I am fishing. I am fishing. Are we out of slips of paper? No. Okay. There's a few more left. But we're almost out. We're almost out. We're almost there. Drew Barrymore. Okay. Uh, E.T., 51st Dates, Scream, Charlie's Angels. I think that's it. Four. <laughs> four is my magic number. It seems to be that way. Kate Blanchett, Elizabeth, Elizabeth the Golden Age, Blue Jasmine, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. God. How many was that? Six. Like Alex Voss, I want Kate Blanchett to massage my head with her long fingers. <laughs> <laughs> you got the last one. All right. Sigourney Weaver. Go. Alien. Aliens. Um, ha- cabin in the woods. Holes. Um, Avatar. It's five. Five? All right. All right. Let's see who won, y'all. All right. I'm tallying your score. You're tallying my score. All right. I have your score. In the matter of the people versus OJ Simpson, the results are in Ross 32. Carrie Ann, 30. Oh, no! Yeah, baby! It was the Shreks, I'm telling ya. It's James Ross McMichael here to tell you, you just got beaten. Oh, I bow to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bring me cheese. Bring me all of the finest corn muffins in the land. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as the ruler of kicking and streaming now, 
You're the reigning king. We'd like to move on to the main event. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. I'm king today. <laughs> I won fair and square. <laughs> Trial by trivia. Trial by <laughs> trivia. I am emperor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, all right. The court recognizes his majesty, King Ross. I'll abdicate at the end of the episode. Okay. I promise. You'll give me it back. I ain't no usurper over here. <laughs> but until then, women and cornbread. <laughs> you want them both. Get going. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's still sitting here. <laughs> anyway. All right. So the way we're going to do this is we're just going to go down the ranks. We're going to start with 10, and we're just going to go slot by slot, and we'll each take turns explaining our position. Absolutely. We're going to talk about awards these women have won. Absolutely. We're going to talk about our favorite scenes. Exactly. And <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Indubitably. <laughs> So let's start with our number 10 slot. Number 10. Who goes first, you or me? Uh, why don't you go first since you're I'm the first in the game. But you're the king. Mm, I'm a benevolent king. You go first. <laughs> okay, fine. You were here first. I'm going to say again that all of my choices were very emotional and don't necessarily have to do a lot with the craft. <sighs> Women. I know. <laughs> I have my opinion. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. I love women. Please have opinions, women. <laughs> we need your opinions. All right. Well, here's a woman's opinion. My number 10 choice for top 10 female performances goes to Emma Watson for her role as Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter series. Oh, my God. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed or worse, expelled. This former Harry Potter actress has gone all over the world in furtherance of women's rights, girls' rights, women's education. She has been recognized with honorary doctorates by several different governments. It's amazing. Like, she is a true activist, and I think she is carrying Hermione's legacy on with her. She won the National Movie Award for Best Female Performance for this. She had a Teen Choice Award for her lip lock with Daniel Radcliffe. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I chose this for my number 10 slot because she was probably the character from the books that I identified with the most. So like I was really emotionally attached to that character. What do you like about Emma Watson specifically? I like how she is in no way upstaged by either Daniel Radcliffe or Rupert Grint. Mm -hmm. It's not like... You need all three of them. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, Without all three of them, it doesn't work. Of course. It's the, what, the golden trio, and I just love that. I love that she did not demure into the background. Emma Watson got cast as Hermione when she was like, 10. Yeah, they were all babies. Yeah, they were babies. We literally watched them grow up. She got cast when she was 10 and they were done when she was 21. Wow. That's all of your maturation spent on a film set. My favorite scene, like, there, listen, there's like eight movies. Mm -hmm. There's lots to choose from here. And so my, and so my pick may sound a little strange, but the scene in The Prisoner of Azkaban where she Colcox Malfoy. Is that your favorite? Is so indescribably wonderful. It's classic. Some of us had already hated him for a decade at that point. Mm -hmm. And then to see that scene visualized was such a catharsis. And it, that sets them, it's like such a dumb thing to say, but it <laughs> made my little teenage heart go, yeah. yeah. Look who's here. Ah, oh, come to see the show. You. 
You foul and loathsome them evil little cockroach! Hermione, no! He's not worth it. Malfoy, you OK? That felt good. Not good. Brilliant. Little Emma was 100% perfect mm-hmm. for that role. And, you know, J.K. Rowling said as much. There was nobody else. There was no one else that could have done that. Okay, we got to move on. <laughs> We're probably going to be here a while. I know. I just want you to know that. Number 10 for me is Michelle Williams in My Week with Marilyn. Oh, yes. From 2011, she plays Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn, is it true you wear nothing in bed except perfume? <laughs> Darling, as I'm in England, let's say I sleep in nothing but Yardley's lavender. <laughs> You know, this is funny. Your uh, top 10 pick flows into my top 10 pick because guess who else is in My Week with Marilyn? Emma Watson. Yes! She's one of the costume girls on the set of the film where Marilyn is shooting. Yes, I remember that. And uh, this is about Colin Clark's memoir and his experiences tending to Marilyn Monroe while she was in London to shoot this film with Laurence Olivier. I think that this is kind of a very melodramatic portrayal of Marilyn Monroe. No. But not it, in the biopic drama. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, it's unheard of. I still think she does an amazing job of it cuz she, she it's melodramatic but she doesn't throw it away. Like I'm believing what I'm watching. She does an amazing job and you know, she was kind of going through things during this period when they filmed this. She had just lost her husband 2 years before and oh, yeah. things were a little Heath Ledger that she was married to Heath Ledger. They oh, have a child together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm double sad. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad about two things now. And, I mean, oh. everyone in this film does a great job of portraying these old Hollywood actors and directors. I mean, hey, all you gotta do is, like, talk like this and use a lot of elbow action. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. She also sings. Yes. She sings all the songs. We're having a heat wave tropical heat wave The way that I move that thermometer proves that I certainly can You don't think of Michelle Williams as a singer. You think that just came out of nowhere. She just, I think she really did her research. I think she really tried to put together, first and foremost, the public image of Marilyn Monroe in that time. And then she really got to work by herself on developing the undertow of Marilyn Monroe's life, which was rough. I think she deserved the Oscar nomination for this. Tell me about your favorite scene. My favorite scene in My Week with Marilyn is probably, it's probably the scene with the argument between her and Arthur Miller. And Colin goes to her house and finds her sitting on a dark staircase and she's got this notebook in her hands. Arthur's notes. Yeah, Arthur comes out of the bedroom and he's just like, babe, it's just a couple of notes. (laughs) I'm a writer. This is writer stuff. And she basically is reading this, you know, cockamamie scene that he's written about this emotionally unstable woman. Oh. And she knows it's about her. She feels subtweeted. She found his notebook and she read it. And she is just the dead look in her eyes. I don't understand how someone can look dead and cry at the same time. She doesn't have a single line in this scene, but I just think that she does a great job in capturing Marilyn. Number nine. Okay, my number nine pick, again, another very emotional choice, was Gal Gadot as Diana Prince 
in Wonder Woman. Have you never met a man before? But what about your father? I had no father. My mother sculpted me from clay and I was brought to life by Zeus. Well, that's neat. Wonder Woman is a character in the DC superhero universe, and her origin story in a nutshell is that she is the Amazon warrior princess who lives in the hidden land of Themyscira. In this movie, Chris Pine um, somehow transcends their barrier in his World War II fighter jet, and like he lands in this land of women who, of course, want to kill him because they don't like men. <laughs> and like she follows him around for the rest of the movie in search of the god Ares. That's it. That's honestly what it comes down well, to. Well, she made your top ten. Why'd she make your top 10? Because I was so worried about this. Like You're worried they were going to fuck it up. Yeah, there's like five Superman movies. There's like eight Batman movies, you know. I don't even know how many Spider-Mans there are now. I've lost... I can't count them all on one hand. Mm-hmm. Money just doesn't get thrown at female-led projects. Yeah. And, and that's just the truth. And so I was like, if they mess this up, they're not going to make another one. You know, no disrespect to Linda Carter, but the old Wonder Woman TV show was pretty camp. Yeah. Like, like the old Batman. Tie me up with a rope. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's another, that's a conversation we don't even have time for. But Wonder Woman and ropes, won't that be great? And so this film was very emotional for me because I was very emotionally invested in it. Her performance is so great because in in a way that is not at all forced, she really doesn't seem human. She's half human. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, you know, observe the same things we do. Exactly. And she finds our world confusing at first. It, it's not in any way for her ignorance is not in any way forced. And she's a very fierce and strong character, but she's also very compassionate. She was it, she was just so on for me. She was so brave and badass in the choreographed fights. My favorite scene is the no man's land scene where they're literally in a trench. They're outside this village that's full of women and children that are going to get attacked by the Germans if they don't help them stop the infantry. And they're in a trench, and she's like, hey, let's go help. And Chris Pine's like, no, are you crazy? This is no man's land. As in no man. (laughs) No man can cross it. This is not something you can cross. It's not possible. So what? So we do nothing? No, we we are doing something. We are. We just... We can't save everyone in this war. This is not what we came here to do. No, but it's what I'm going to do. And she jumps out and walks across no man's land and, like, is knocking bullets to the side, all while this great instrumental track is playing underneath it. Mm-hmm. I was in tears. Wow. I was like, I can't believe how good this is. I can't believe how much I love this. Because I couldn't give a shit if anybody else liked it. Mm -hmm. It was important to me, and I loved it. And it was just, ugh, tears. So that's why she's my number nine pick. My number nine pick is Mm -hmm. Tilda Swinton. Yes, that's right. I said Tilda Swinton. And I love Tilda Swinton. I do, but you know, not enough people do, in my opinion. <laughs> she is extremely underrated. Uh, Tilda Swinton as Nora Cachadorian in We Need to Talk About Kevin. Do you know where you're spending the afterlife? Oh, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. 
I'm going straight to hell. Eternal damnation, a whole bit. Thank you for asking. We Need to Talk About Kevin was not my first exposure, but one of my first depictions of something like a really horrible tragedy, a really horrible community tragedy happening. You read about the perpetrators in the news, and you're just like, you know, what's it like to be close to that kind of evil? What's it like to be that person's parent? Yeah, and... it. Tilda Swinton plays Nora, and Nora's son brutally murders uh, several of his peers in his high school gymnasium. And the, the whole movie, and even the book, is just about the process from when Kevin is born all the way up through to when and even after the incident happens. The amount of fear and anxiety that Tilda Swinton is able to put into this character, in, this woman is tortured in public. People follow her around, say horrible, ugly, nasty shit to her. They vandalize her home. Yeah. And it's all because her child murdered all of these kids, murdered all of his classmates. Now, which is terrible. Which is terrible. Nobody thinks that this could happen to them. Exactly. Nobody thinks it can. Uh, my favorite scene in the film is probably, I'd say it's probably like the last scene where she's talking to him in prison. And they're both just trying to have some sense of a connection with each other again. Because she knows that he's in here forever. forever. Yeah. And, you know, she's going to have to live with his legacy for the rest of her life. I want you to tell me why. I used to think I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Tilda, yay raw on this one. Uh, you really let people feel what that could be like. And that's your job. Brava. Number eight. Okay, my number eight pick is Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly. Snow Queen. In The Devil Wears Prada. I don't understand why it's so difficult to confirm the point. I know, I'm so sorry, Miranda. I actually did confirm last night. of your incompetence do not interest me. You guys listen to the Devil Wears Prada episode, right? All right, listeners, right now, if you're listening to this, you haven't listened to our Devil Wears Prada episode, stop this episode right now <laughs> and go listen to it. You're not allowed to listen more until you listen to Devil Wears Prada. Oh, that's not true. You're right. That's not true. But let's just say we get through this one quick since there's a whole episode about why this is amazing. Sure. Huh? All right. So she, you know, the Devil Wears Prada is a thinly veiled story of a young woman who works for the biggest fashion editor in the U.S., Meryl won the Golden Globe for Best Actress, MTV Movie Awards for Best Villain, which I just love that that's a category. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent category. And I picked this Meryl performance as opposed to others because this is one of the best examples I can think of where Meryl completely disappears. Mm. Like, Meryl's always good. Like, Mamma Mia, she's still pretty much Meryl. Mm -hmm. You know what I She's mean? She's got that Meryl affect about she, that character. Yeah. She does. It's it's not a whole lot of acting. Mm -hmm. She disappears into these other roles. And Miranda Priestly is infamous mm -hmm. in our lexicon. Everybody gird your loins. <laughs> what it really boils down to is that one monologue. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some 
clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when, in fact, you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. But anyway, guys, go check out that episode. It's a pretty good one. Okay, y'all. My number eight is Jodie Foster in Flight Plan. I know. What's Flight Plan, you may ask? (laughs) Oh, man. You might never have seen the film, but I love this movie. I've loved this movie ever since I was a kid. I filled the prescription a week ago when my husband died. My daughter and I are bringing his body back to Long Island for burial. He fell six days ago from the riverfront building. Jodie Foster plays Kyle Pratt, and Kyle Pratt uh, is moving back to the United States from living in Berlin because she works for a aircraft company called Alto Airlines. She builds the engines. And she has her daughter with her, and her daughter is terrified of everything. They get onto this airliner. She helped design this aircraft. They take a nap, and she wakes up, and her daughter is gone. This is Kyle's slow descent into madness. Oh, yeah. As no one can tell her where her daughter is. This is gaslighting at its finest. It is the definition of gaslighting. The crew of the aircraft cannot validate that her daughter ever got on the plane. It's the amount of anguish that Jodie Foster is able to put into this role, what it must be like to be a parent in that situation. It it gets real, it gets real James Bondy there in the end. (laughs) It sure does. And that's, I think I like that element about it. It's, it's very good suspense. Yeah. Like there's so many ups and downs. Because you don't really know if they're going to find the kid or not. Exactly. Up there until the, up until the end there. Spoiler alert, they find her. But like, anyway, I think my favorite scene is where They've got her handcuffed to her seat. They bring, and this is after she's been convinced that her daughter is actually dead. And they've poached some doctor on the plane. Yeah, there is a, there's a psychiatrist. Your husband, David, was he very unhappy? He was unhappy. I didn't know He didn't talk about it like that. He... Was Julia there too? No. She was waiting for me at home. That performance, that scene where she just she just breaks down because she misses her husband so much and she doesn't know why he did what he did. Yeah. And and now her kid's she, missing. Like, she thought they were happy together, and then he killed himself. And then, yeah, and her kid's missing. She has no one anymore. I think that she has range, but, like, there's just something about Jodie Foster that there's always a part of her in every character. Number seven. Mm-hmm. All right. My number seven pick is Marissa Tomei. As Mona Lisa Vito. Oh, big talker, you are, you are. Don't you wonder why Trotter gave you his files? I told you why already. He has to. By law, you're entitled. It's called disclosure, you dickhead. He's not allowed any surprises. 
Didn't teach you that in law school either? Guys, our very first episode. My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny. I'm glad she made your top 10. A movie about a lawyer who won't let his girlfriend help him solve a murder? She won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, she did. It was the only nomination the movie got. Was it really? She and- That's amazing. Which brings me to my next point. She stole this movie. I know. Out from underneath Joe Pesci. This movie is not about Joe Pesci. The best scenes in that movie have Marissa Tomei in them. They're all, they're all the best scenes. Literally no other actress could have played off of him that way. I know. And done it so well. Mm -hmm. They were such an equal match. She was not super well known and he he was and she did not let that intimidate her at all. I know. It was amazing. My favorite scene is definitely the scene where they're talking about him going to hunt with the other lawyer. They're gonna go shoot deer. Yes. And she is super not okay with it. No. What about these pants I got on? You think they're okay? Imagine you're a deer. You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. You put your little deer lips down to the cool, clear water. Bam! A fucking bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are laying on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a fuck what kind of pants a son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? And, you know, I've told this story on the podcast before where I used one of the monologues from that character to audition for the first lead role I ever got. Mm-hmm. It was It's always been a part of me in a way. Yeah. And I just, I love that she steals it from everybody else and she is here and she is so real to me. All right, what's your number seven pick? My number seven pick, Viola Davis, mm-hmm. in doubt. If we're talking about something floating around between this priest and my son, it ain't my son's fault. Oh, I'm not suggesting It's just that- a boy. I know. 12 years old, if someone should be taking blame, it should be the I, man, not the I boy. I agree with you completely. You're agreeing with me, but I got called to the principal, if you know what I'm I saying. I am concerned about Donald's welfare. So Philip Seymour Huffman plays this priest in, uh, I think it's the Bronx in like 1964. This priest is accused of having, you guessed it, an inappropriate relationship with a student. It is mm. Viola Davis's character's son. Oh, no. Yeah, and Meryl Streep plays Sister Aloysius. Sister Aloysius is always watching Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I see. she knows what's going on. Sister Kathy situation. Sister Kathy situation. Yeah, from the Keepers. Yeah, is the the scene that just really gets me. It's Viola Davis's only appearance in the film. And Sister Aloysius goes to her to discuss with her that she believes that the priest... the school is having an inappropriate relationship with her son. And thank God this educated man with some kindness in him wants to do just that. This will not do. It's just till June. I'll throw your son out of this school. Why would you do that if it didn't start with him? Because I will stop this. You'd hurt my son to get your way. It won't end with your son. Throw the priest out then. I am trying to do just that. Then what do you want from me? Please leave my son out of this. My husband will kill that child over a thing like this. It's a very masterful scene between the two of them. And this was Viola Davis's first time working with Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep is one of Viola Davis's heroes. And I'm glad that they, that they both got 
to experience that because Viola is every bit as good as Meryl. Oh, absolutely. And I would argue maybe even a little more consistent. Uh huh. Just the pain that she was able to exhibit yelling at a nun, you know, <laughs> yeah. like like you do. And the nun being shocked. Yeah. About how bad it really is. Number six. This is going to be like deja vu, but my number six pick is Jodie Foster. Oh, well, what do you know? Welcome back, Jodie. Okay, well, why is Jodie back on our roster? I put her in my number six spot for her role as Clary Starling in Silence of the Lambs. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clary Starling. May I speak with you? You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? I am, yes. I don't really want to say it all again, but I kind of put her here for Meryl Streep reasons. She absolutely disappears into this character. She does become her. I've not read the book, but I I don't really care. (laughs) It's like The Wizard of Oz. No one's read the book. Mm -hmm. Everyone just knows the movie. But I feel like Clary Starling is a real person. Yeah. Like, I forget it's Jodie Foster under there. Mm -hmm. And her doggedness to, like, prove herself in this boys club, Mm -hmm. it's always something I've deeply related to and identified with. You you gotta be better than the boys so the boys will respect you, right? Yeah. And boy, does she outdo them. Most definitely. What, does she solve, like, four homicides? Yeah. In all in one go? Yeah. Yeah. What is your worst memory of childhood? Death of my father. Tell me about it and don't lie right now. He was a town marshal and one night he surprised two burglars coming out of the back of a drugstore. They shot him. My favorite scene, and again, there's so many good ones. All of her scenes with Anthony Hopkins are fantastic. They are great. Their rapport, their chemistry is solid, and both of their performances are great, and they just fortify each other on screen. But I really enjoy that last scene when she is in Buffalo Bill's house, and he's got night vision goggles on, Mm -hmm. and he can see her, but she can't see him. You know, he's a serial killer. Yeah. Like, he's going to get her. Mm -hmm. It's horrifying, because you're seeing it from his perspective. Yes. And you're just seeing her grope around in the dark, wide-eyed. I felt her panic. Mm -hmm. And it it was it's just such a great performance throughout. And then in the end, she gets him, and it's so satisfying. All right, what's your number six pick? My number six pick is... Laura Linney. Oh boy, here we go. Let's try to keep this under two minutes, please. As Laura Marshall in Driving Lessons. Where on earth have you been? Nowhere to call from. Find a mobile. Mobiles give you cancer. Driving Lessons is one of my favorite movies. It's not one of the best movies out there, but it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, Rupert Grant plays this uh, kid, Ben Marshall, who's awkward and the son of missionaries. His mother makes his life very, very awkward. Because she's like a hypochondriac. She's a hypochondriac. She's also an avid philanthropist, but she um, runs the gossip in their little parish. Um... She really, I think, was the best choice to portray this woman. First of all, she's American, does a great British accent, very believable. I would mm. believe she's British. This woman isn't even the main character in this movie. She is actually probably the main antagonist. Uh, ben gets a job taking care of this elderly lady 
who his mother gets a job for through the church, gets taken care of her in her big house. And it sounds very Harold and Maud. Yeah, a little bit. I think it, think the main point of the story is, you know, she is able to teach him so many things and he is able to. There's nothing weird. Don't worry. There's no weird element to it. <laughs> it's very pure. Laura Linney's character is just this crazy Christian maniac. You know, she believes all of these things that are not true. My boss give you cancer. <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine. It's the amount of delusion she's able to put into this role. She's able to capture that nervous delusion that white people <laughs> so often find along the way. Tell me about your favorite scene with her in it. My favorite scene in it, basically Ben and Evie take off to Scotland. <laughs> like you do. And to, to, for her to have a big reading. When he gets back, it's when he gets back to London. Laura has some words for him. She's very upset. When you went with that actress, you left God's house. While there is breath in my body, you will not leave it again. Look at me when I'm talking to you. The reason this is my favorite part of her performance in this is because she's really capturing the wild expectations and delusions that some people have. It's it's absolutely crazy. What people think they deserve sometimes is just outrageous. And this is one of those roles. Number five. My number five pick is Natalie Portman. In Leon the Professional. Baby Natalie Portman. 12-year-old Matilda in Leon the Professional. A movie about a professional hitman who literally takes in a 12-year-old girl after her family is brutally murdered by a corrupt DEA agent. Listen, Matilda, you gotta be careful. You can't just speak to any guy the street. Leon, get a grip. What's a big fucking deal? I was just smoking a butt while I was waiting. Some of these actresses had to grow up fast. Yeah, like, <laughs> and he trains her to be a hitman. Like, this is a very adult movie. Yeah. She won no, like, major awards for this, but, like, I, I feel like that got slept on. Yeah. Honestly, especially in this role, she's so, she's such a little adult. Yeah. It's weird. It, she's all, even at such a young age, because, you know, Matilda comes from a very disadvantaged background. She lives in poverty. Her parents don't care about her. And then they're murdered and she has no one. And this big scary man that lives down the hall yeah. just starts taking care of her. But they kind of develop this weird little friendship where he actually cares about her a lot, even though he was she was kind of dumped on him via circumstance. Mm -hmm. Her whole affect is just kind of like... Do it, scum. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's, it's kind of hard to remember that she's a kid sometimes. Yeah. She, and she holds her own so well with all these other adults around her in these scenes. She acts circles around Jean Renault, like, who plays Leon, mm -hmm. this big bad man. My favorite scene is the Russian roulette scene where she's really pressuring him to avenge her family's murder. And she has a loaded gun and she like empties the chamber and only puts half the bullets back in and she spins the chamber and slams it shut. If I win, you keep me with you for life. And if you lose? Go shopping alone. Before. 
gonna lose Matilda. There's a round in the chamber. I heard it. So what? It's it to you if I end up with a bullet in the head, huh? She's looking him dead in the eye. She has a loaded gun to her head. It's frightful. Mm. And she doesn't blink. And finally, he caves and smacks the gun out of her hand. Mm -hmm. And she's and it went off. It was going to happen. And she's like, all right, now you have to train me how to kill people. Uh, What the fuck? (laughs) It's so crazy. (laughs) I love that movie. Okay, Nat. All right. We see you. Who's your number five pick? My number five pick is Julianne Moore. I love Julianne Moore. As Evelyn Ryan in the prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. The taste and shimmer shake appeal, Jell-O jollies any meal. You've killed me. Death by Jell-O is highly unlikely. The film tells a story. It's based off of a memoir by Patricia Ryan, and it's about her mother and her youth when her mother, who had 10 children, her father was a terrible alcoholic. There are 10 kids. They're poor as can be. But her mother literally supported them by winning sweepstakes and writing in jingles for television ads. You know how they used to like reap consumerism for their marketing? Yeah. Yeah. And like she wasn't making money. She was winning them things. Yeah, like ca- sometimes there'd be cash prizes, but like sometimes there'd be like a washer and dryer yeah, and or a new ice box. They won so many different things that they could sell. And it's the struggle between mother and father mm-hmm. and this poor woman having to deal with her abusive husband, also managing to care for all 10 of these kids. It's a great story. When the film starts, you know, age ranges are 18 to an infant Oof. of these 10 children. No, thank you. And you're literally you're literally caring for children at all stages of life. Yeah. Like that's insanity. That is insanity. And But that's what happens when you don't believe in contraception. You know, her poor husband won't stay off of her <laughs> and then wants to piss away all of their money. She's winning these valuable things for her family, and then he's destroying them because he's jealous of her. And if I know you like I think I do, I'd be willing to bet that your favorite scene is one of those confrontations. The scene that really gets me. She's having a rough day at home, and he's drinking. The milkman comes. She tells Kelly, I need money for the milkman. And he says, I don't have any. And she usually doesn't say anything to him about his drinking and she goes of course not it's all in those bottles he grabs her knocks her down and her body crushes all of those glass bottles oh man full of milk and all of the kids are crying and she is so calm in the middle of it her ability to capture this woman and how she would react in that situation it was very, very good. It was very real. And it, yeah, it was, it was, you're right. It was very, very real. And I feel like we keep saying that over and over again, but, but yeah, that's what makes it good. Yeah. You feel for her. And, but through all of it, she manages to be, and I just love this character's resolve and I love what Julianne Moore brings to it. It makes you really appreciate your own mother. Yeah. It G- makes you think about how good your own mother is. We love you, mom. Yeah. Number four. My number four pick is Anne Hathaway. And I really, I really, really, really had to think about this one because her top two performances that I love the most, I I had a really hard time choosing between them, especially since the one I ended up choosing was a pretty predictable choice, right? Anne Hathaway is Fontaine in Les Miserables. Yes, it's true. There's a child and the child is my daughter. 
And her father abandoned us, leaving us flat. Now she lives with an innkeeper man and his wife, and I pay for the child. What's the matter with that? A movie about how bad it sucks to be a poor French citizen during the revolution. It won Anne Hathaway the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. She also got awards from the British Film Academy or whatever. She got the Golden Globe. BAFTA. BAFTA, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, BAFTA. Yes, BAFTA. Um, Screen Actors Guild. They, the hits just kept on coming. And I chose this because this is a story that I was never really very interested in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it just wasn't part of my sphere. I didn't really, I didn't listen to the music. I, I'd never really heard the music except for I Dreamed a Dream. And that's because Susan Boyle sang it on America's Got Talent. And <laughs> it was a literal sensation. I'm from a little collection of villages. <laughs> How'd you think there? There it is. <laughs> Kicking and streaming bingo when Ross pulls out his Susan Boyle impression. I am 47. (laughs) And that's just one side of me. (laughs) Sorry. There were preview clips of Anne Hathaway singing this song, and that was enough to get me to go. Yeah. And and like I just said, we, we cried through the whole thing. First of all, this was my first intellectualization. Anne Hathaway sings. Yeah, I know. Like... It's pleasant. She's not a vocalist. But she did the damn thing. Like, you know what she, I mean? She deserved the Oscar for the ugly crying alone. I know. I was obsessed with it. It was wretched. After this movie, I could not shut up about it. I know. It, it's been the subject of many jokes <laughs> that I can't shut up about how much I loved the vocal work in this movie in did general. You, did you know that they recorded it live, oh, Carrie? Oh, man. That's the joke. Did you know that they recorded Les Miserables live? It, I could not stop telling people. <laughs> I was super annoying. <laughs> I had a dream my life would be. And just the anguish, mm-hmm. the absolute anguish that comes through. This is a character who has nothing. She doesn't have her baby. She doesn't have a safe source of income. She's alone in this awful, wretched landscape of history. Being abused. Being abused and being used. And I. it all came through in song. And it's been that way many times across iterations of this. You know, it's just that was deeply moving and it was surprising from her. She brings such emotional range to that scene that it really pulls the audience in and forces them to feel that range with her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, stop, you're hurting me. Exactly. My number four pick is Natalie Portman. <laughs> yep. Let your me your number five pick. Can I guess? Can I guess? Is it as Mrs. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis? Yes. <laughs> Inform them that I will walk with Jack tomorrow, alone if necessary, and tell General de Gaulle that if he wishes to ride in an armored car or in a tank for that matter, I won't blame him. Why are you doing this, Mrs. Kennedy? Oh. I'm just doing my job. Adelie Portman in Jackie as Jacqueline Kennedy. And um, this is about her emotional handling of the aftermath of the Kennedy assassination. And, of course, this is the one story that everyone's always going to revere 
Jackie Kennedy for is for her strength and the aftermath of all of that. And it really was incredible. It was a very turbulent time. And I bet it really was a comfort to see the first lady so composed. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she's able to stand next to Lyndon Johnson. Well, he gets sworn in as president. That's, There's photographs of it. I know. I can't believe it when I see them. I, I just can't believe that she had the strength to do that. Um, her, while her husband is a, in a box less than 30 feet away from her. Her, her and Natalie Portman, her accent is scary. It is scary. I think, <laughs> here's my opinions on the accent. <laughs> The she sounds very, very close to her. It's very but there's close. still this, you know, there's this hint of Natalie Portman in it. And like the pitch of her voice is yeah, almost too high. It's a Jackie is actually a lower register. <laughs> Natalie can't control any of Natalie's that. <laughs> just very her vocal range is just naturally very high. But from her look, mixed with the dedication to the accent, and it's it's pretty stellar. It's pretty spot on. There's this sequence. I mean, the whole main part of the narrative is, you know, there's a reporter. There's a famous article written in Life magazine. And it, the famous line from Jackie Kennedy is, uh, you know, people can take faith in that, you know. Once upon a time, there was a Camelot. And oh, man. she's referencing, you know, Camelot, the musical. That is journalistic gold. And this is the interview that is being fictionalized where she gives this. Don't misunderstand me. Jack wasn't naive. But he had ideas. Ideas he could rally others to believe in. Will those ideals slip on? Sure they will. Of course, there would be great progress. and would be other great presidents. The Johnsons have been so generous to me. There won't be another Camelot. Not another Camelot. I think the personal moments between her and the interviewer where she gets to really test out how Jackie is not just on the surface. I 100% believe that Jackie Kennedy would speak that way, behave that way. Like, I think she I, she just becomes her. She disappears into her. It's yeah. not Natalie. Ma- Meryl reasons. It's not, yeah, it's, it's big Meryl energy. <laughs> and she does the character so much justice. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, number three. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Steal from Mother TM. All right. My number three pick is is Lupita Nyong'o for her role in Jordan Peele's Us mm-hmm. as Adelaide and Red. Mm-hmm. How it must have been to grow up with the sky, to feel the sun, the wind, the trees. But your people took it for granted. We're human too, you know. If you haven't seen Us... Go watch it. It's a weird film, but I still love it. It's so awesome. It's a movie about a black family who goes on vacation and they meet their creepy underground doppelgangers. Yes. I'm upset that she did not get more recognition for this, more accolades for this. She won the Toronto Film Critics Award, the Black Reel Award, which is valid. That's all valid. But the Academy slept on this. Yeah, they did. She should have at least been nominated. It upsets me because this performance, this duality, especially her performance 
performance is red. That's like one of my favorite introductions to a character ever. In the family room and I'm, she... I'm, I'm, I'm wigging thinking about it. She's sitting in the chair by the fire and she's doing this explanation dump. Then the girl had her first child. A beautiful baby girl. But the shadow... She gave birth to a little monster. Umbre was born laughing. The girl had a second child, a boy this time. They had to cut her open and take her from her belly. The voice? Yeah. What's great about it is because it's so raspy, it forces you to lean in and you're hanging on her every word, and you are uncomfy. Yeah. And your eyes are so wide. I'm I, sorry. I can see it. You're, I, show, you're watching it on the, the back of your eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, no. I just, it's, it's... I just love the way Jordan Peele forces you to pay attention, and he tries to get people involved with his projects who have that same goal. Mm-hmm. Get eyes on this force them to pay attention through suspense and intrigue. Yes. And I love it. My number three pick is Kate Blanchett (laughs) as Queen Elizabeth I in, you guessed it, Elizabeth. (laughs) I am not your Elizabeth. I am no man's Elizabeth. If you think to rule, you are mistaken. Queen Elizabeth is kind of like one of the greatest rulers of all time, like if you just know anything about history. And she never gets the credit she deserves. She transformed Great Britain, like... Yeah, following the mess her father made. Um, Her father and her sister, warring Protestant and warring Catholic, really tore England apart. And through the right amount of circumstances, she became the queen. She was never supposed to be the queen. You know, she had a sister, a couple of brothers who had to die before her. And the circumstances through whether it was illness or war led to it. So what's your favorite scene in the movie? I think my favorite scene, ooh, there are better scenes for her in Elizabeth the Golden Age, the sequel to Elizabeth. Well, but... then why didn't you pick that one? Because this <laughs> this is about the young Elizabeth and All right. how good she gets the young Elizabeth. I think my favorite scene is the Duke of Anjou is the king of France's nephew. And they the one of the main hang-ups in the film is they want the queen to get married mm-hmm. and produce an heir. And she's not about it. She's like, bitch, I'm the queen. I'm all you need. She just, she, here's the thing. She was not the virgin queen. She had many lovers. And <laughs> the Duke of Anjou was not one of them. Uh-huh. They invited the Duke of Anjou to meet her and see if the, or she would accept a proposal of marriage from him. The Duke of Anjou was a homosexual. <laughs> and Is that so? The Duke of Anjou uh, was not present at the ball one night when he was in England. And she goes to see him. Where he's staying, and he's in a dress, <laughs> surrounded by naked men and women. It's just funny because that's quite the situation to be caught in. And he's been putting up this front the, the whole time. She catches <laughs> him in a compromising position, and he just, like, owns it. And he's like, what? You got a problem with this? And she's like... I mean, hey. And the line that kills me is she's smiling at him. But I only dress like this when I'm alone, in private, with my friends. Hmm? Your Grace, although my affection for you is undiminished, I have, after an agonizing struggle, determined to sacrifice my own happiness for the welfare of my people. 
I can I cannot accept your proposal of marriage at this time. <laughs> it's too good. And the French ambassador's like, "Hey, this is not what it looks like." And she's like, "Oh no, 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 no. I understand everything perfectly. I love actors." <laughs> I love it. Number 2. My number 2 pick is Hilary Swank for her role as Brandon Tina. In Boys Don't Cry. I hate you because you stole this one. Did you pick this one also for I, your number two? I did. I I, pick, I decided to pick somebody else other than Hilary Swank because you were already going to mention her. But the, the, this role is it's a powerful role. It's a movie about the life and death of Brandon Tina, a young trans man who was just trying to live his truth. In Kansas or Nebraska or yeah, something. Yeah, but couldn't live his truth because he lived in Nebraska. He is murdered at the end of the movie, just like in real life. And it's a tragedy in the history of the queer community. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of strong feelings about this movie. It's a very powerful story. This was Hilary Swank's first Oscar, wasn't it? Yeah, it won her the Oscar for Best Actress. She got a Critics' Choice Award, the Golden Globe, the whole Megilla. Hilary Swank's performance is so believable. Mm -hmm. And I again, I feel like we're seeing different versions of the same thing with a lot of these choices, but... It's so important here. It's more important here than it is with others. Brandon was a real person. He was a real person who had friends and wanted to live his life in in, in truth. Mm -hmm. And it was so important for Hillary Swank to force us to identify with Brandon. It was important that she make us feel for him, that we want good things for him, and that we are as outraged as we should be at the end of the movie. And my favorite scene is the scene where Brandon is describing his sexual assault. And I'm not going to play any of that audio. You can go look it up if you want to. It's, it's rough. This is an oxymoron, but it's the same fortified vulnerability that I see in her performance in Iron Jawed Angels. It's so hard to watch. My number two pick is, I don't even know why either, but Nicole Kidman as Virginia <laughs> Woolf in The Hours. I am attended by doctors everywhere. I am attended by doctors who inform me of my own interests. They know your interests. They do not. It tells a story, it intertwines three different plots, and it's, you know, it's Nicole Kidman as Virginia Woolf, Julianne Moore plays the 50s housewife, and uh, Meryl Streep plays the modern woman. The the modern Dalloway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all intertwined around Virginia Woolf's story, Mrs. Dalloway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it goes through, Virginia's plot goes through her writing Mrs. Dalloway. It goes through, you know, one of the big things that is dealt with, the opening scene is Virginia Woolf killing herself. You have been entirely patient with me. And incredibly good. Everything has gone from me but the certainty of your goodness. I can't go on spoiling your life any longer. I don't think two people could have been happier than we have been. Virginia. That's rough. Yeah. And she dealt with clinical depression her whole life. This is just one of those things. Nicole Kidman 
with the use of some very stellar prosthetics. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, can one of your honorable mentions be the nose The nose she from the hours, yes. <laughs> she vanishes underneath it. And yeah, like she <laughs> becomes Virginia Woolf. She <laughs> looks exactly like Virginia Woolf. One piece of putty made, made all the difference. Like I am willing to believe 100% the entirety of the screen time of Virginia Woolf and the hours would be exactly how it panned out. She's able to bring out all of the existential nature of Virginia Woolf Mm -hmm. and how Virginia Woolf, her process, and every single one of their performances is great. But her in particular, the way she just becomes her is just, it's great. Guys, some honorable mentions. Before we get to the top picks, we just want to throw some little some little one-liners out there, some little honorable mentions. So to those of you who have been listening the whole time, thank you for staying with us. Yeah. We're almost to number one. <laughs> it's 1030. I know. What's your first honorable mention? My first honorable mention is Kathy Bates in yeah. Misery. I love Kathy Bates. As Annie Wilkes. And in the bank, do I tell Mrs. Bollinger, oh, Here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your Christing money. She does an amazing job. She really captures the character. It's just a total personification. My first honorable mention is J-Law, Jennifer Lawrence in Mother. He's a stranger. We're just going to let him sleep in our house. Hello. Hello. Did you know he had a wife? With all of the themes of her being pregnant and these intruders in their personal lives, it's all very Rosemary's baby. Mm-hmm. And she really gave like that Mia Farrow energy. I loved it. My second honorable mention is Maggie Smith Yay. in the Harry Potter series Yay. as Minerva McGonagall. Perhaps it would be more useful if I were to transfigure Mr. Potter and yourself into a pocket watch. That way one of you might be on time. She just is McGonagall. Like <laughs> My other honorable mention, I don't want to say it's a joke. It's just not that deep. Mariah Carey as Mrs. Weiss, the social worker in Precious. I just know why you're here. You've been calling this office saying you want to be reunited with Precious and your grandchild. Now I really need to know what's gone on in that home. Very obscure. A lot of people don't even know that she's in it. She's invisible. Yeah. You you look at their pictures side by side and you cannot even believe this is the same person. Mariah Carey is done up like a real Bronx lady. All right. Number one picks. Shall I go first? You shall. All right. For my number one pick, I chose Charlize Theron in the 2003 true crime biopic Monster. What? Yeah. no, Charlize Theron. You were not expecting that from me. I really wasn't. I mean, listen, I made a lot of tough choices when putting together this list. And like, you know, I I was tempted to pick some things and I'm like, no, you know what? If we're going to really go by favorite then this is what I'm picking. And, well, you like true crime. Oh, no, yeah. And I, you like the story of Eileen Wuornos. Like, I don't like the story of Eileen Wuornos. I know what you mean. But, like, she, you know, she was a serial killer in she killed about seven men from 89 to 1990 because she was a sex worker on Florida's I-95 and she would hitchhike and kill men for the money in their wallets. They did a really good job with her makeup, didn't they? Oh, they did. She did. They did. They put some amazing prosthetics and makeup on her. She gained 40 pounds. Wow. Take that, Christian Bale. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and it's such a great physical and emotional committal to the role. The movie kind of fictionalizes the victims, doesn't necessarily copy the details of their case, which I think was a good move. 
especially since the last John that she encounters before she's arrested. He's actually like a nice dude. I can't. You don't have to. You're just having a hard time. No, I can't let you live. My daughter's having a baby. Shut the fuck up! It's just a really... I mean, up until that point in the movie, you've experienced so many other emotions associated with this narrative. It's just really hard to... It's really hard to watch. Mm -hmm. I think that she did a lot of homework like a lot of the actresses we've talked about tonight, mm-hmm. and she really brought that to the screen in a very authentic way that also demanded some some empathy. My number one pick is the greatest actress of modern times. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. No, <laughs> not at all. My number one pick is Meryl Streep for her role as Margaret Thatcher in The Iron Lady. Teachers cannot teach when there is no heating, no lighting in their classrooms. And I ask the right honorable gentleman, whose fault is that? To go from Miranda Priestly to Sister Aloysius to Margaret Thatcher. We have talked about her a lot tonight, haven't we? Meryl Streep was able to show us the human that is inside Margaret Thatcher's carcass. Yeah. And um, it really gives us an insight into what Margaret Thatcher was going through at the end of her life, dealing with dementia. Oh, yeah. She was the first woman in the Western world to be invited to form a government. And that meant a lot to women all over the world. Margaret Thatcher definitely had her flaws, but Meryl's performance, the accent, the look, the attitude. This is an American woman. This is an American. This is Meryl Streep was born in fucking Jersey City. (laughs) And now she's playing. The girl from Jersey is playing Britain's first female prime minister. (laughs) The best scene for me is where... She is sitting in with the American Secretary of State and they're talking about the invasion of the Falklands. But Margaret, with all due respect, when one has been to war... With all due respect, sir, I have done battle every single day of my life and many men have underestimated me before. This lot seem bound to do the same, but they will rue the day. She had big brass balls. I love Margaret Thatcher. So yeah, guys, those are our top 10 picks, top 10 lists. Yay! We want to know what you guys think of our picks. Go online Twitter, at us, let us know. Disagree with us. Yeah, disagree. (laughs) Put us in our place. But we would love to hear from you. Guys, thanks for being with us through Women's Month. Yeah, and thank you if you listened to that whole ass episode. <laughs> hey, I think we had a nice conversation. I think we had a long conversation. Oh, no, we sure did. I'm kidding. I like having long conversations with you guys. Carrie Ann came over to my house last night, and we talked for like four hours. <laughs> yeah, no, it was insane. I should not have been up that late. <laughs> So, guys, we've got a pretty big episode coming up. Y'all, we've got a biggie. It's going to be our first two-parter. We're taking on quite a project here. Next week, we are going to be discussing James Cameron's blockbuster hit, Titanic. 
the gross the gross profit it was gross I, it was the gross profit was gross <laughs> <laughs> i hate and love that joke that's good oh my god oh my god yeah, we've got some stellar performances, some incredible unforgettable performances, some incredible visuals, you know. And what? Oh, you're you're beside yourself. Are you yelling because looking at the budget and the profit? <laughs> you're yelling. We'll save it for next time. <laughs> Tune in next time to hear Ross stroke about the budget. <laughs> And the gross profit of Titanic. You are screaming. I'm sorry. You are a little teapot. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, in the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Please, guys, if you haven't left us a review already, please go do so. And remember to share our podcast with other people you think might enjoy us. Mm-hmm. We'd love for you all to join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry. sorry. Mom. Mom.